You're listening to Inner Demons, the comic book podcast based on Marvel's very own spirit of vengeance, Ghost Rider. From Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch to Robbie Reyes, Alejandra, and more, this is the best place for news, reviews, and discussion. And now, here is your host on this fiery road to hell, Brian Biggie. Let's ride. Welcome, Flameheads, to the newest episode of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. As always, I am your vengeance-fueled yet lovable host, Brian Biggie, and we're back with another kick-ass episode of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider show. So tonight, we got some really great reviews. We have, we're uh, reviewing Ghost Rider issue number six by Ben Percy. We're also reviewing new Fantastic Four number four by Peter David. Avengers 58 by Jason Aaron, and some classic old-school reviews like Ghost Riders 25 from the 70s, 90s, and the 2000s. So buckle up on this highway to hell and stay tuned. So we'll talk a little bit about some news that's going on with Ghost Rider recently, uh, and then we'll take a short break, and then we'll get to the reviews, as well as we have some uh, Ghost Riders comments and voicemails later on, so stay tuned for all that. First up, one of the biggest things that's been going on with the Ghost Rider is obviously this is the very tail end of the 50th anniversary of Vengeance. So the Ghost Rider's 50th anniversary uh, has been a bit lackluster over at Marvel. Uh, some fans were you know, a little bit disappointed, even though there's been some new comics and new various things that have been announced over the course of this year, 2022. Uh, a lot of fans were hoping for some more. Um, some some new things, a little more concrete stuff. In fact, the biggest disappointment was, uh, at least for me, was Hasbro. Hasbro makes the Marvel Legends action figures and uh, things like that for the comics. And they had announced uh, several months ago the Engine of Vengeance Robbie Reyes uh, Hell Charger with Robbie action figure. Now that would be Robbie Reyes' very first action figure uh, officially uh, under Hasbro. You know, Robbie debuted in 2014, I believe, and since then he really hasn't had uh, much merchandise out there. Uh, you know, there's some really great customs people have done, but there's really been nothing out there. And the fact that uh, the car itself is such an integral part of the character, and with the cost of plastic and rising factory um, prices across the board, isn't just a very expensive proposition to get a proper Hell Charger created. Well, uh, back uh, September, October time period, uh, Hasbro had announced uh, this Engine of Vengeance uh, HasLab project. So for, I'm sure I mentioned last episode, but HasLab is, you know, a crowd-funded project where backers would need to support the um, the initiative uh, to a certain point and once it reaches a certain dollar amount a certain backer amount then the product would actually get made the more backers uh, that pitch in and pledge their their money the more unlocks and tiers would be revealed for example in the last couple of years uh, Galactus was a successful project the Sentinel was a successful project and there were some other ones as well for GI Joe Transformers and so on. Now there has been a couple pro uh, products that did not fund. You know the Cookie Monster project didn't fund. A few other ones as well, including the Rancor from Star Wars. So unfortunately, uh, this project itself did not fund. They gave it about a month, month and a half to fund by October 31st uh, to reach 9,000 backers. And unfortunately, it did not fund. Now um, the 
pledge amount to to get the base car and the Robbie Reyes figure of the Ghost Rider action figure was $350. That's not including shipping. So it would be right around between $400 and $450 to get this uh, this item. They had an early bird special, a one-week early bird special, that were going to include a civilian Robbie Reyes action figure. And I think the goal was Hasbro was hoping that, that they would have gotten people to pledge early and get that car unlocked so they could just focus on the various tiers to unlock. Um, unfortunately... That didn't fund at all in that first week, so that means the Robbie Race figure wasn't even going to be included with the with the offering. So um, it, it was a really kind of a, a difficult situation. A lot of toy reviewers online were really up in arms over what is perceived as a, a greedy cash grab for this this item. And uh, you know, it's been kind of talked to death at this point. You know, it's uh, I I did not fund it. I did not support it. Uh, I was hoping the, you know, I was, you know, was hoping the dollar amount would have been a little bit less. I do understand that the, you know, the plastic was there and, and, you know, it does cost a lot of money for those kind of things. But I think the way it was rolled out was a little bit frustrating for me. For other uh, toy collectors as well, the other thing that bothered them was that the the various tier unlocks really left a bad taste in their mouth, guys, right? So in the past, for example, with the, the Galactus toy that just got uh, released this past year, it's a massive action figure, but it, it includes all these really great uh, add-ons to really kind of sweeten the pot a little bit. And I should hope so, because these are, like you know, 300 to you know $450 items. These are humongous centerpiece items for your collection. Well, for Galactus, they had all these really great items that uh, tied into the cosmic side of Marvel. You know, it, it came with a really great Silver Surfer action figure. Uh, it came with uh, a Nova figure. All these really great, uh, like a Frankie Ray toy. All these really great items that tied in thematically to the character. What Hasbro made a mistake was a lot of the extra perks uh they sort of didn't really light the world on fire so to speak you know they did reveal a mephisto action figure but um a it wasn't a classically uh, colored uh, image version of mephisto and uh you know they had teased that the fact that you know if this catalog didn't go through then that would not get uh, released at all so so that did not get released a lot of fans were pissed about that and then some of the other characters uh that were revealed were not fully tied to the Robbie Reyes mythology, right? So you had, yes, you had Son of Satan, which is tied to the Johnny Blaze storyline, but uh, that was seemed like it was just kind of thrown in there. Um, you had the Goblin Queen that was just kind of tossed in there. You had all these things that were just kind of seemingly thrown in there uh, to kind of uh, to get the sale, but unfortunately, it just kind of split the fan base across the board. And many, many Ghost Rider fans that even I know uh, were unable to support this project, and it's a shame. So, um, you know, so as of right now, the product did not go through, and Hasbro will not be releasing a Hell Charger uh, to go with that. And it was going to have flame effects and you know all, all sorts of things, but. A lot of folks were just saying it just wasn't worth the price. The juice was not worth the squeeze for this. So um, so that car will not be released. I do believe that Rob Reyes, the character, will get a release down the line. He's an Avenger. He's uh, he's a fairly popular character, despite being the newest Ghost Rider in the... One of the newer, newer Ghost Riders in, in the group. Honestly, I think there's going to be a release. They just might have to redeckle him, repaint him, so he looks a little different from the original offering. Uh, and that would kind of make it okay to release. So I do think we're going to see Robbie Reyes, but I just don't. So that car is not going to get released at all. Um, there are some other companies out there that are releasing Hell Charger-esque items that are sort of 
uh, unofficial. They're they're not um, tied with Marvel. Uh, for example, the One uh, Twelfth Chop Shop has a, a Kickstarter right now uh, for a but basically about a hundred and ninety dollar Hell Charger sort of thing. Obviously, it's not going to have the flame effects, but uh, you know it's almost in in line with the fact that if you couldn't get the Hell Charger, there that's one option to get something like you know to put a Robbie Reyes figure. Uh, into there as well and it looks very close to what the hell charger could look like so that's on kickstarter right now that has about a month to go um but uh, they need to hit i think seventy thousand dollars to um to unlock that so so that's kind of struggling at the moment there's also a toy company called ramen toys they had teased something and just some digital renders that they wanted to release a hell charger s vehicle with flame effects with fire uh tires that kind of thing so um, that's something would probably be a little bit more expensive than the one twelfth chop shop might be actually closer to the original uh, cost of the HasLab. So we're going to have to see if fans are willing to plunk down their hard-earned money in this difficult economy for that kind of thing. But uh, it's a frustrating thing for many Ghost Rider fans who wanted that Hell Charger because, uh, you know, they teased it. It was, And unfortunately, it really kind of tore the toy community in half, tore the, com- uh, the comics community in half. And a lot of people just left a very bad taste in their mouth over what was perceived as a greedy cash grab. So it's it's unfortunate. And one of the things that I heard from the Inner Demons uh, site was people said, how come Danny uh, Ketch... Ghost Rider was not included with this. If they had included Danny Ketch and Alejandra, uh, other Ghost Rider characters, a Spirit Rider, for example, Kushala, um, if they'd include some of these other characters, it would have really made things much more worth it. And here's my take on it. Is I was kind of reading between the lines with um, some podcast appearances that Dan Yoon had appeared on. He's on the Marvel marketing team for some of the Marvel Legends projects. And uh, it seemed like he was trying to say that they believe, at least with Danny Ketch, that they believe that there's market viability for that character to release a motorcycle and a figure uh, separate from the HasLab project. Because if something is included with HasLab, um, the idea is that they're not supposed to re-release that character uh, exactly the way it was, just for that incentive to really kind of throw it in. Otherwise, they're going to devalue their whole HasLab uh, you know, uh, marketing scheme, that whole thing. So so guys, so fret not. There are other options if you want Hell Charger, there are, check out the, a few of those other uh, Kickstarters, a couple of those other things that are they're coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, also the Danny Ketch character, I think he's going to get his own Marvel Legends release at some point in the future. But at this stage, it's not to be. So, uh, so stay tuned for all that, guys. You know. Uh, so right now, uh, speaking of Danny Ketch, I'll stay on that. Uh, I mentioned last episode, but Howard Mackey was on a video podcast a while back. And he was basically discussing the fact that he is working on a Danny Ketch miniseries. Now, there hasn't been much else revealed about that, but it seems to make sense, guys. Because Marvel recently released a sort of a three-issue kind of relaunch of the 90s Ghost Rider. uh, The issues 1, 2, and 3 from the 90s. And I imagine that's just to kind of catch people up on the character. You know, it's been quite a while since Danny Ketch's first several issues has been in publication, and I think that's something that uh, maybe gets some people back on board for that sort of thing. Uh, as of right now, I haven't uh, fully surpassed Ghost Rider issue number six by Ben Percy, but you know the rumor is that Percy wants to bring in Danny Ketch as soon as possible, maybe as, as early as issue nine, ten, or eleven, that kind of thing. So stay tuned for all that. Um, by the time the episode gets released and downloaded, you know it might be a moot point. We might know a lot more about Danny Ketch's involvement with that, but stay tuned for all of that. 
that is coming on the pipeline. Uh, also, at the time of this recording, Midnight Suns uh, issues one, two, and three have been released. Uh, Spirit Rider is a big part of that story with Kushala. So there are other things going on with the Ghost Rider mythology. Rod Race, of course, is still in Avengers Forever. He had a really big appearance in Avengers Forever number eleven, uh, where he really uh, he made the Masters of Evil really pay. So that so stay tuned for that in an upcoming episode of Inner Demons. Um, the one downside is that some fans have told me that in Avengers Assemble Alpha number one, uh, Robbie Reyes actually has has trouble triggering his transformation into the Ghost Rider. So you know the Hulk experienced that in the MCU films. You know kind of had trouble tapping into that that extra power. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out with that whole thing. But uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, two other things about merchandise actually. If you are an old school Ghost Rider fan, and especially an old school Johnny Blaze fan. Uh, Hasbro did release a uh, an image of an upcoming pre-order of the Orb action figure. I don't think I mentioned this in the last episode, but the Orb is coming next year uh, as official Marvel Legends release. He has a little uh, Orb blaster that he comes with, and he's in his classic 70s garb. He's not in his more recent uh, Jason Aaron appearance uh, with, with the Watcher, that kind of thing. But I'm very excited about that, guys, because the Orb, I believe, is an amazing character, is really, really wonderful, and it's long overdue to get that character out into people's hands. Plus, it's just so weird-looking, so cool-looking. You might get folks buying it just because it just looks like a badass, strange, oddball action figure. So I think that's really, really great. Uh, lastly, for our LEGO fans, uh, Ghost Rider actually has a LEGO release that's coming in early 2023, right? It is going to be a, a little Ghost Rider character that <laughs> comes with a giant mech uh, motorcycle sort of combination thing where Ghost Rider kind of can fit inside this little robotic mech unit and uh, and also kind of can create a Lego uh, version of a giant motorcycle as well. Uh, a couple years ago, you know, they had a Robbie Reyes uh, Hell Charger release. I believe it came with Spider-Man and Carnage. And then a few years before that, we had a Johnny Blaze release with, with the motorcycle and Spidey and Hobgoblin as well. So stay tuned for that if you like that. Uh, some of the pictures were pretty funny because seeing Ghost Rider inside the mech his head looks teeny tiny. It looks really, really small, kind of like that scene from Beetlejuice, you know, like a little shrunken head sort of thing. Um, but you know, that's just he, when he's riding the, the mech unit. His his head is exposed. It just it is kind of kind of humorous there. But uh, stay tuned for that, Lego fans and Ghost Rider fans as well. So despite the bad news with the, the failure of the Haslab, there is some stuff coming down the pipeline uh, for the Ghost Rider characters. So uh, you know, don't worry about that, guys. So that's all the news that's fit to print, guys. Uh, let's take a very short break and let's get right to the reviews of tonight's episode. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. All right, gang, first issue of the night is Ghost Rider, issue number six by Ben Percy and Brent Peoples. This is called The Exorcism of Johnny Blaze. Logan busts into a Utah bar to do some much-needed back-alley surgery on Johnny Blaze. He yells at folks to get out of Dodge, but the bartender needs a little aggressive negotiations to be convinced. Logan starts slicing to remove whatever parasite that's poisoning Blaze and the Ghost Rider from the inside out. If we thought the rider was tough to share a body with, this parasite creature is far, far worse. We cut to an unknown cemetery where Alabaster resurrects the evil Agent Wilmer. 
but before he kills Talia Warroad, Zeb wakes up and injures Alabaster. Cutting back to the bar, Wolverine is still slicing and dicing poor Johnny Blaze, who thinks he's too far gone to be saved and deserves death. A small creature exits Blaze's body and takes over a drunken bar patron who's passed out. He, he rouses, wakes up, and he attacks Logan, who cuts him to shreds while pleading with the rider to help them both. The Spirit of Vengeance emerges finally and works with Logan to kill the sickness. Back at the cemetery, however, Zeb checks on Talia and tells her to find the Ghost Rider, since they now all have to join forces. Agent Wilmer is having a bad time and basically dies for the second time in two issues straight, getting his back broken by Zeb. Alabaster disappears naturally. Ghost Rider changes, uh, uh, charges up Logan's claws with Hellfire, and he cuts the cancerous demon out after six long, arduous issues. It finally seems to be gone, at least we think. Logan picks up an exhausted but cured of the parasite Johnny Blaze as they walk off together into the slow motion while the bar burns down behind them. The Rider and Blaze need to work together moving forward instead of always fighting each other. They are much stronger together. Thus, the power friendship prevails and Johnny and Logan go off to Dave and Buster's for some burgers, brews, and a heated round of Dance Dance Revolution. And that's where this issue ends. Alright guys, so go start issue number six for me is... Uh, return to form for uh, Ghost Rider stories. You know, I've been a little bit uh, disinterested in Ben Percy's take on uh, the Spirit of Vengeance, and I think this Parasite storyline has really sucked the energy um, out of out of the whole plot. And and you know, there's some issues we're just really treading water and really not going anywhere. So this one, at the very least, there's not a big bad, so to speak. But I like what 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 goes on here. So let's talk about it. Um, so after the derivative road race of uh, the Devil's Backbone uh, in uh, Nightwing issue 48 and 49, I mean, I mean the last couple issues of Ghost Rider, um, this is where the rubber meets the road and finally we address the parasite that's inside Blaze. It's nice to see Blaze get help from a fellow hero and also a heart of darkness, no less, from back in the day. The Zeb and Talia subplot is still interesting to me, and I do like their uneasy alliance moving forward. There's good action throughout, despite, like I said, not being a big bad in this in this issue. And the eternal struggle uh, is always there, but it's worse than ever has been before with the Spirit of Vengeance. The Ghost Fighter feels pretty stoic and badass here. It's very nice. Uh, it's a nice change of pace. Uh, I'd like to see how he's, you know, he's he's acting. He really feels like a different entity. He feels like Zarathos, like like he's not Blaze turned up to eleven. They are separate beings who all have their own agendas. And and goals, you know, and the fact that Blaze and Zarathos have to now work together again, I think that's a really great direction moving forward for the character. So, um, so the biggest plus besides no more parasite, like I said, is the fact that they are different beings here. I think that's really great. The fact that you know that they're not, he's not just um, himself again. Uh, that's we've complained a lot about that a lot with Jason Aaron's run in the past, where Blaze was really just himself turned up to eleven, and a lot of writers have just kind of ran with that and. You know, there's something to be said for that, but honestly, the the battle between the two characters is is so much uh, more compelling to me as a reader. So so props to Percy for that direction. Uh, the art is gruesome uh, as always, uh, but it's well done. You know, if you're really into that kind of stuff, I think that there's a, there's a lot to like. You know, if you really love body horror, uh, there's plenty of that. You know, every issue is completely drenched. In blood, uh, it's it's pretty nasty and disgusting, but uh, you know that's that's definitely uh, good for if you like that stuff. 
I personally hate the way Johnny Blaze uh, transforms at this point, though, I have to say. I mentioned it last episode. I don't like this Immortal Hulk sort of direction of the character where the, the, the Spirit of Vengeance just rips Johnny Blaze's body to shreds. Uh, it just completely tears his body asunder. And, um, you know, some fans love that because it's it's very visceral. And it's not just he's flaming on. It's He's actually uh, he's a different being. He's just tearing a body apart. The problem is... Uh, you creating uh, continuity mistakes because now you you have Blaze waking up without his clothes half the time because his body is totally torn asunder, uh, and then sometimes he's waking up with his clothes. There are few issues in this very series that have contradicted each other with that, and that's what I have a problem with. If it, it seems like an idea that that Percy put forward to to be badass and epic and awesome, and I, I agree, a lot of fans really enjoy that. I'm not one of them. But a lot of fans really love the fact that it's just like it's just huge. This body horror, Cronenberg elements is like the thing almost. Uh, but then some issues where it's not that way, so they don't even have internal consistency from issue to issue, and that's a huge problem for me. Um, so basically, you know, I still think uh, you know, I think some of the body horror thing is over the top. Um, like I said, it's 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 not for me, uh, despite the fact that I've been a long, long time Ghost Rider fan. It's not how I've always perceived the character being. Um, I'm not fully sure how Blackout fits in Black Heart, excuse me, fits into this whole plan with the Parasite stuff. Maybe I missed something. Uh, but last issue, you know, issue five, we saw Blackheart at the end doing his little um, soliloquy to the readers, talking about "I'll get you next time, Blaze," sort of thing. But how does that tie into the parasite? It's like it seemed like he was trying to give him a peaceful life in, in that sort of made-up town, and then he's trying to use his powers for for his own use, and now he's he's pissed off at him. So it seemed like kind of a totally separate subplot, and they just kind of tacked on the Blackheart thing, at least at, at this stage. So that's not working for me very well. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing. Overall, I do say um, I will say that this is a vast improvement over some of the last couple issues. Of this series, even from issues two on, um, is, you know, a two was one of my favorites of the run, and then since then, I think they've really struggled between three, four, and five. So overall, I'm actually going to give this a four out of five flaming skulls for the exorcism of Johnny Blaze. I'm happy to finally put this parasite angle behind us, unless next issue we're dealing with more parasite stuff. So who knows? But I would say four out of five flaming skulls for Ghost Rider issue number six. Alright guys, next up we have new Fantastic Four, issue number four. This is Hell in a Handbasket, part four, by Peter David and Alan Robinson. Father John Priest, not a confusing moniker at all, by the way, rides below Vegas in the tunnels uh, with the Ghost Rider until they run into Mephisto. Man, this guy really gets around. He disappears Ghost Rider for a few moments, uh, just so he can give the priest his backstory exposition. The evil one claims to be Father's father, well, you know what I mean, that his, that his mother was a nun who left him on a Texas doorstep after being seduced uh, with, uh, with Mephisto in disguise. And because of the planetary alignment, i.k.a. Syzygy, he has developed wish powers. Sadly, he cannot affect Mephisto because of his, he's a demonic being. Back at the hospital, Hulk checks on a comatose Marlowe and leaves Mona to help the gang fight a possessed Johnny Storm. Logan has his hands full while with uh, with Spidey, uh, while Spidey just stands there. Uh, he's fighting off uh, the possessed Johnny Storm and even going as far as cutting off his head and limbs, um, but that does not stop him from reforming. Uh, he even blasts Wolverine with a pen and stare kind of thing, like called Soul Fire. While Spidey still just stands there, watching on and reprimanding Logan, uh, Hulk arrives with a huge stomp. 
but the Demon Torch becomes Supernova. Um, he announces his evil plan that he's going to be charging up his superpower um, and blasting them with supernova power. But suddenly, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, and the She-Thing show up, and Sue cuts off the torch's oxygen until he passes out. We cut back to Mephisto, who summons a giant demon called Saturnine. And that's where this issue ends. Alright guys, so this one is really all over the place for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed this series uh, so far. Peter David is a legend. He's really awesome. Uh, but this uh, this issue is a swing and a miss for me big time. Um, let's talk about some things I liked about it, though. Let's not be so negative all the time. Um, art by Robinson still is pretty good. I really love the facial expressions. I think that's really fantastic. Um, it's very compelling. It really kind of feels kind of, kind of a 90s era type story, the way it's illustrated. Uh, so I think that that worked for me. Um, the Ghost Rider, while his screen time is limited, he appears pretty confident in this, you know, uh, competent, excuse me. Uh, he kind of knows what he's talking about, and usually when he's in battle, he usually uh, does a really great job. He's not in battle in this issue, mind you. A lot of the heroes really don't do much in this issue at all, but um, I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so far, Ghost Rider has the best deadpan comedic takes, you know. Uh, he has a couple one-liners that are... Uh, unintentionally funny, but uh, you know, but you do know when the Ghost Rider is your comic relief in a book that stars Spider-Man and the Human Torch, you know something's wrong. That there's a problem when the Ghost Rider is the funny one out of everybody. So that's a little weird. Um, so the for things I didn't like about it, you know, get ready. <laughs> the flaming wheels have definitely come off of the story at this point. Um, this comic is a mess plot-wise, you know, and uh, he's definitely got his work cut out for him if he wants to. Uh, save the story by the end of it. So, which is unfortunate because I like really, really did enjoy go going into this. But uh, personally, I believe this tale is uh, thematically very heavy uh, for a quote-unquote fun new Fantastic Four story. My my thought, guys, going into this was that this was a kind of a fun throwback story that takes place shortly after the new Fantastic Four formed because we really didn't get a chance to really know them too well. They had uh, one or two appearances and they were kaput. And the fact that this. <laughs> There's such love for these characters uh, is is fascinating. You know that there's been at least a half a dozen uh, homages to the new Fantastic Four, uh, where you know authors keep putting them into storylines as like new versions of of this character. So instead of say Spider-Man, you might have Venom, or or you might have uh, Miles Morales or something like that. Uh, it's a trope that they've gone back to a bunch of times, which is hilarious to me because. I love the new Fantastic Four, but they were kind of done as a gag to begin with. You know what I mean? They weren't really meant to be super serious to begin with. They were kind of ragging on the um, the proliferation of, of team-ups and comics just to sell more books, you know? But, uh, like I said, this is this story is so heavy thematically. It's not a, a fun story. There's a lot of really odd decisions here to put into the story. Uh, for example... Um, you know, this mismatched new Fantastic Four misfit ragtag group uh, now have to deal with uh, Vegas falling apart, uh, a nun's seduction by Mephisto, and demonic conception of this child, decapitating a trusted ally without really knowing if you're killing him, and more. Oof, not a good take, guys. Most of the heroes don't do anything to help this issue. Uh, Ghost Rider drives around, uh, you know, away from the others almost the whole time. And Spidey doesn't really lift a finger while Logan, quote-unquote, kills Johnny Storm. Really uncharacteristic, really lame, uh, very off-putting. I know it's a heat of battle, but he could be killing his one of his buddies. And I think that's just really wrong. And there's not even uh, 
a moment to think about that. Even when Sue Storm comes in later on, this is her brother possessed by this demonic entity. She quickly cuts off his oxygen like like nothing. Doesn't really care about the toll it could take on his on his character. Now, I'm not a writer, obviously. Peter David is a legend. I'm a nobody, right? Uh, but the fact that you know they didn't even have a line saying you know I, you know I don't want to hurt you, Johnny, but this is what I have to do, sort of thing, uh, is is really kind of a missed opportunity. So it just. It just does not work for me at all. So basically, what the f is going on, guys? I have really no clue what's happening. This issue, uh, the last couple issues were really, really fun, and the fact that, that Danny Ketch was back in the mix uh, is a joy to me as an older fan like myself. So uh, overall, this is a, kind of a depressing comic. So it's one point five, flaming skulls out of five for New Fantastic Four uh, issue four. Not good. Okay, moving on to Avengers number 58 by Jason Aaron. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the uh, you know the Avengers are going back in time and protecting these legacy powers. Uh, so this one is about the Ghost Ronin. So back in time, Captain America and Nighthawk searched the uh, Edo period in Japan to encounter the Ghost Rider of the time period, also known as the Ghost Ronin. This spirit of vengeance appears silently and greets the duo of Avengers before a deadly biker gang attacks. The three make short work of them, expertly, um, especially the sword saint himself, the ghost Ronin. He's told that Mephisto is trying to kill him, but then he silently disappears. Echo, the phoenix, and Namor uh, bicker nearby until Viking villains arrive from another time stream. The ghost Ronin appears again and kicks the Vikings' asses in literally no time at all. Then we see Thor and Valkyrie talk about some stuff, but it's really not important to the story. So, moving on. Uh, now Ghost Ronin is attacked by invisible henchmen from the future, and he smokes them too. Ghost, Ro Ghost Ronin says goodbye and tells the Avengers to keep fighting the good fight and protect these legacy powers in history, including the Genesis Point, which basically includes the, Ghost Ro the um, Avengers from 1 million BC. The Avengers leave and chase Mephisto uh, to kind of an Old West time period, and that's where this issue ends. Alright gang, so this one, uh, you know, I had dropped off the Avengers series a while back, could not keep up with it, and plus the multiverse stuff does not interest me as much as other things, I'm really kind of tired of the multiverse trope, but um, that's just me, that's my preference. Uh, this, however, is pretty interesting because of the Ghost Ronin himself. This is a Ghost Rider podcast, and the character Ghost Ronin is a fascinating one. Now, we've seen glimpses of samurai-esque Ghost Riders over the years, and it's always fascinating. I've always wanted to see more about that. And to me, guys, this is Jason Aaron's way of playing with that uh, amongst his own Avengers storyline. And uh, so let's talk about some things I liked and things I didn't like about it. The Ghost Ronin himself is a compelling uh, character, um, even despite the fact he doesn't... It doesn't say too much, this one. Uh, I would love to learn more about his strong and silent sort of type, you know. Uh, Aaron really puts over how deadly he is, almost to a fault. You know, every scene he's in, he steals the show completely. And kind of makes the Avengers look like buffoons. Um, the art at times by Garan can be dynamic and cool. Uh, the few parts that don't really work for me, but overall it's very fascinating. Especially when you see Ghost Ronin kind of march to his foes and just kind of obliterate them. The battles are gory and exciting. Captain America and Nighthawk fighting alongside this Ghost Ronin was cool because it seems that Ghost Ronin is very much a solitary warrior and having the Avengers uh, pitch in and help him out was, was nice to see. Um, this story of Ghost, Ghost Rider did not really need the Avengers. I mean, this is could have been kind of told as a one-shot sort of thing. Maybe this is Aaron's way of getting it out there, but um, 
This really didn't need the Avengers at all. They almost do nothing to the story. And the little um, subplots with, with their little sidebars are extremely not fascinating to me. So, uh, like I said, I was not keeping up with Avengers at this time. So, it doesn't really light my world on fire. But, honestly, seeing the Ghost Run was a very, very cool thing. Um, for things I didn't like about it, there's not a whole lot going on here, guys. You know, there's not a lot of meat on the bone. There's basically three battles of varying difficulty for our heroes and a few somewhat pointless and uninteresting conversations. Out of the Avengers uh, loop for a while myself, so I don't really know what the heck's happening. Um, so I, there were some things I was a little bit confused at, but that's that's okay. Uh, the biker gang showing up completely out of nowhere is <laughs> in the utter silence is totally ridiculous. You know, I, I had to laugh that one off. I wasn't offended by it. I thought it was pretty funny. The fact that they, Captain America and Nighthawk, are stalking this ghost Ronin in complete silence. You can almost just hear the nature around them. Then suddenly these, these bikers appear seemingly out of nowhere, unless they appear through a portal or something like that. Uh, it's pretty hilarious because there's all these, you imagine the very loud, bombastic sort of characters, and they just kind of show up suddenly and sneak up on the these three great heroes it's just uh, just absurd uh i said earlier how much i like the art but there are times where the art and fight scenes um they're intended to be stylish but sometimes they come off as a confusing mess um maybe uh maybe david curiel's uh, colorist faults you know you know because some of the some of the art is very clean at times but then you know when some of the the henchmen are getting murdered by the ghost ronin there's all these kind of uh, oni spirits and all these kind of Japanese spirits that that are being released by the by the deceased uh, bad guys, and it's so stylish and so crazy that I need to re read it a couple times to understand uh, the characters' place in the scene where they were. So the fact that I had to re reread it several times either says I'm an idiot or the art is confusing, and I think a little bit of that is true. Both those those things are true. But uh, so I had some trouble kind of following what was going on with that. Um, but overall, it, w it was decent, you know. Um, the pacing, though, right? The pacing is all over the place here. You got the three battles, and then you have the battle sort of interrupted by conversations by the side characters the whole time. I get it, you know, it's an Avengers book. Uh, but the Avengers are basically useless here, you know. Uh, contrast this to Avengers uh, back in the day when, when the Ghost Rider first appeared. Uh, you know, when Johnny Blaze appeared, you know, it was much more of a compelling story. Even if you weren't reading Avengers at the time, uh, it was it was a more complete story back in, back in the day, but uh, in the early 80s, I think that was. But this was, um, you know, it's serviceable. You know, like I said, the Ghost Ronin character makes this a really interesting tale. Avengers, you could take or leave them. They really don't do a whole lot in this one. Uh, in fact, most of them don't do anything. They just kind of sit around. Um, they, but they still do more than Spider-Man from the new Fantastic Four. So I, I got to give them that. You know, Cap, Cap, and Nighthawk do do pitch in and help out, but Namor and Echo they couldn't they couldn't kill the Vikings. Ghost Run got to them first, and he just kind of wipes the floor with all the bad guys. So, um, like I said, he's almost too perfect. He's like a Mary Sue. He's almost too good for his for his own good there. But um, you know, I do want to learn more about his character. I'd love to see some more with him down the line overall not a terrible issue i actually really enjoyed it i think uh but i'm gonna give it three out of five flaming skulls for avengers 58 all right guys let's jump back in our time machine to uh speaking of jason aaron we're gonna stick with the jason aaron era of the ghost rider uh ghost rider issue 25 from september 2008 this one's called god does don't live on cell block d part two so um bob the guard provides the deacon with weaponry from the ark of, of Bezael. A heavenly arsenal from which the deacon takes a strength-enhancing elixir and a pair of golden celestial knives. In cell block D, the pastor tells Johnny Blaze of his discovery that his parishioners were amassing an army for Zacchaeus, which led them him to kill them all. 
He thereafter traded his soul to hell for protection from Zadkiel's followers. Johnny demands to know how to get to Zadkiel. The pastor has no idea, but mentions that Zadkiel is collecting the powers of the Spirit of Vengeance. The deacon appears and kills the pastor and the Satanists. And the Satanists. Johnny becomes ghostwriter and attacks the deacon. The fight reaches the prison chapel where the deacon handily bests him with his heaven-spawn strength and weapons. Wounded, ghostwriter reflexively blocks a killing strike with a large Bible, which the deacon refuses to impale. Ghostwriter then viciously beats the deacon with the Bible, demanding to know how to reach Zacchaeus, but the deacon simply falls unconscious. Bob sees the deacon's defeat and, and commits suicide. More guards to arrive to quell the riot, but find all the inmates rendered either catatonic or unconscious by the ghostwriter, who leaves the prison via a nearby cemetery. And that's where this issue ends. All right, guys. So this one here uh, is really fascinating. Uh, I love the Deacon character. He was introduced briefly last issue. Uh, the fact that he's uh, he has such immense strength and has these weapons that can actually hurt and kill the Ghost Rider from heaven, I think is makes him a really credible threat. Unlike a lot of the other characters that the Rider has faced over the years, this one is, is is a little bit different, guys. It hits a little bit different. So let's talk a little bit about what I liked about it. The Deacon's terrifying new villain, uh, like I said, who can hurt Blaze with his celestial knives. Uh, I like some of the little references that Aaron puts in here. You know, like, like for example, the origin of the knives and where, where they where they were. The Ark of Basilel. Uh, that's that's the biblical figure who built the Ark of the Covenant. So that's you know the fact that he was able to do some research and put some uh, little biblical references in there and, and more historical references. That makes gives a little more credence to these fantastical elements of the story. Um, for example, the Rock of Etam uh, elixir that. Um, that the deacon takes to augment his strength and make him much more strong. Uh, that's the that's where Samson hid back in the Bible, like the, the lair of the wild beast, basically. So all this stuff ties into either historical elements or biblical moments and so on. And uh, I, that just gives a little bit more oomph to the story. So honestly, Aaron does his homework here. He has a lot of detractors in our listener uh, base a lot of our listeners do not like Jason Aaron because you know of various elements like the fact that uh, Zarathos is kind of excised from the material. It's really just it's a different take on the rider and the fact they brought in the, the you know he put in more of the angelic elements and stuff like that. Uh, you know a lot of fans didn't like that. I know a little bit was that was a Daniel Wade thing as well. But honestly, um, you know he has his detractors. There's no doubt about it, and he's not perfect. You know uh, some of his Avengers stuff I, I'm not a huge fan of. However, he does his homework. He he wants to really make this as epic as possible. And you can tell he has a plan for the character. Whether folks like it or don't, he's got a plan for the character moving forward. So i got to give him at least some props for that. And this run, for me, really hits home. I really enjoy a lot of these issues uh, for the most part. So, uh, so this is overall a very enjoyable uh, experience for me. Um, this issue is why I love Ghost Rider comics in general. It, you know, They introduce the embodiment of evil, this uh, badass villain... Uh, and then the spirit of vengeance is unleashed, and it's a joy to behold. You know, just really kind of taking the the villain down a peg, and usually getting his comeuppance, which is really awesome. We do learn more about Zacchaeus' plan from the priest. A little bit of exposition there goes a long way. Uh, the battle, while short, is brutal, and uh, the the punishing co- convicts in just about seven or eight minutes is always cathartic to see. You know, the fact that you know Blaze is injured, he's missing fingers, he's missing teeth, he's been stabbed multiple times by these giant celestial daggers that the the deacon has been wielding and he still says you know what i want to kick some ass and take some names and he starts whipping all these guys in prison which is just awesome i really love the fact uh that the, that blaze does that and um 
you know, I mentioned to our listeners on Twitter at uh, InnerDemonsGR, I mentioned that there's been several times in the character's history where the writer has been unleashed upon a prison. You know, uh, one of them being uh, in the Crossroads one-shot back in the 90s where Blaze had retaken the mantle of Ghost Rider briefly. Blackheart was involved with that. And he starts smoking all these guys in, in prison, which is awesome. And as recent as uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes with um, with Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes goes and, uh, you know, he, he, he kills that gang member. He's trying to find more about what happened to uh, his brother and stuff like that. And then he uh, you see all the gang members lock their, all the criminals lock their prison doors to stay away from the rider. And that's just an awesome moment because you know... Um, He's gonna he's gonna smoke him if he, if he gets his hands on him, which is just just an awesome thing that these badass criminals are scared to death of this character is just amazing. Hell, even go to the Ghost Rider 2007 movie with Nick Cage. Uh, there's the element where he's kind of in the prison cell and he's getting beat up by all these random criminals in his jail cell, and then he flames on and, and beats the hell out of all of them. It's just like one of these cool moments. Seeing the rider against all these uh, multitude of enemies is always fun to see. Uh, going back to things I didn't like about it, um, the art, right? So the art, like I said, is always divisive. Um, you know, Tang and Huat's art it doesn't always work for folks. And, you know, I, I love his style, but it, it doesn't, you know, a lot of characters seem very lanky and skinny, and it doesn't always work for characters like the Deacon, for example. So this big, bulking, um, hulking badass, and he's just, even he kind of looks slender and tall and like a tall basketball player, you know, so it doesn't work for everybody, and that's something that will come up every issue until Roland Bossy comes back, uh, you know, for the um, Heavens on Fire miniseries. Um, because of the style, though, some elements are hard to follow. I've read this issue a dozen times over the years, and I'm still finding stuff that I didn't understand before, rereading, going, oh, okay, that, okay, that kind of makes sense. Oh, okay, he lost his tooth here. Okay, that's cool. Stuff like that, you know, is a lot of detail. I give, I give him credit for that. But the way it's drawn and maybe colored is just a little hard to, to kind of gather what, what is going on. So like I said, uh, you know, between Aaron and Huat there, uh, the creative team is divisive. A lot of our listeners don't like uh, what they brought to the table, but it is what it is. You know, this was a relatively popular time for the character. It was selling well enough to keep going another, you know, many issues and, uh, and so on. So... So like I said, I, I, some other things I like about it, they spent a little bit too long on the priest backstory. There was there was a lot of exposition, but I'm sure that's necessary for Zach Keel's plan to learn more about what he's up to so that the pieces are slowly coming together. But we do spend a lot of time hearing about his murder of his uh, of his flock and how he killed 3,000 people and all this kind of stuff like that, you know. But of course he gets his head lopped off by the deacon and uh, it's basically still like, he's like still alive as his head is decapitated. It's pretty gruesome. Um, but yeah, so it's, unfortunately, when you have a lot of that stuff, there's less time for fighting and less action, which, you know, I don't need every second of every page, but it's, it's nice to see a little more of that. But, uh, overall, this issue is really fun, really, really enjoyable. Uh, and I probably like it more than a lot of our listeners. I'm going to give it four and a half flaming skulls out of five for Ghost Rider issue 25. Next up, gang, is Ghost Rider issues 25 from May of 1992. This one is the anniversary double size issue, 64 pages. And it's called You Can't Go Home Again. Written by Howard Mackey with pencils by Ron Wagner. Uh, Stern announces to the firm's technicians that Blackout will deliver Ghost Rider to them in, re in return for restoring his facial features. That night, the firm releases Blackout from Evergreen Hospital. After killing a firm surveillance team, Blackout calls Dan and taunts him, threatening to kill someone close to him. And if Ghost Rider shows up, all of his loved ones will die. Elsewhere, angered over Blackout's release, 
Uh, the firm orders Stern to return with blackout or suffer excruciating pain. Dan arrives at Stacy's, Stacy's house too late to protect the Dolans, and Blackout lures him back home, where he has also captured Francis and Jack. Their fight leads to the cemetery where Blackout slashes Dan's throat. Dan's spirit watches his body transform into Ghost Rider. Blackout panics and runs, but Ghost Rider then pursues. Stern appears and attempts to recapture Blackout, but Ghost Rider arrives, ready to punish both villains. When the task force helicopter arrives, Ghost Rider then leaves, with Stern and Blackout in tow. The next morning, a police search fails to find the rider, who is hiding out in a crypt with the Cypress Hills Joker's help. He uses part of his chain to seal Blackout and Stern in a coffin. Afraid to risk Dan's life by transforming, he decides to leave for New Orleans and seek Johnny's help. And he ties up um, Stern and Blackout in a, in a cemetery until he gets back. And that's where this issue ends. Alright guys, so this one was a pretty big anniversary issue back in the day. Uh, twice as no, twice the length of a normal comic, uh, but as overall, it's a very good issue. And a lot of stuff comes to its head, especially with the blackout villain character. Um, a lot of the issue is actually about regret. You know, Danny wants to go back to how things were with his former girlfriend Stacy. Uh, blackout wants to go back to the way things were with before his face was uh, very damaged and disfigured. So a lot of this is about regret and trying to uh, make amends for that kind of stuff. If you go back to issue 24 from the previous month, uh, it really kind of seemed like a suicide mission for, for Danny Ketch's character. He was kind of saying goodbye to folks. He was uh, sort of closing the chapter on a lot of parts of his life while battling Death Watch. Um, he even left Johnny Blaze a message about what to do in case he never returns. Now, he did return. He came back home, but uh, he actually did die this issue. So we're going to get to that in, 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 a, in a little bit. Um the flashback in recording of Ghost Rider versus the firm mercenary guy at the opening really shows the rider's power, and it's nice to see him be so unstoppable and so uh, mission-driven here. Um, he's not a rage monster uh, flying off the handle like uh, Zarathos used to be in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he's much more measured and under control, despite the fact that he's being blasted by all this uh, gunfire and missiles and stuff like that. So uh, that's what I always loved the character getting into it, the fact that he was this kind of this stoic badass that would take care of business. Um, though there is something to be said about the, uh, the Zarathos kind of uh, laughing and torching bad guys and stuff like that. There's a whole other type of character there, but they're very, very different. Noble Kale uh, catches spirit and the Zarathos spirit are extremely different. They're very polar opposite characters, but um, but they are both the Ghost Rider, so go figure. Um, catches Ghost Rider, he calmly strides through this barrage of attacks to give him the penance stare of this mercenary. Um, this is a double-sized 64-page issue, which really gives the story room to breathe. There's a very good pace here that we're not often given a chance to enjoy because of the nature of comics in general. You really kind of, kind of blast through it with the Marvel method, you know, so... Um, Blackout's face is mangled and in need of surgery uh, from issue 15 during the fight with Ghost Rider and Blaze. Um, of course, you know, as a sidebar, you know, half of his troubles would be solved if he called up like Dr. 90210 or one of those uh, e-reality shows to get his face fixed because a lot of his motivation is just about getting pretty again, which is kind of funny, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that in hindsight you got to laugh about it. Uh, this is Mr. Stern's first appearance. He's going to be uh, part of the series moving forward. He's the director of the firm. Uh, interesting company mission they want to capture supernatural beings they want to study experiment and oftentimes torture them as well uh and to create better weapons for themselves so uh you know we're going to start seeing them a lot more uh soon uh but yeah they, they've sort of uh, had this behind the scenes sort of a situation going on some very nice character development moments especially at the birthday party for francis ketch which is um uh, danny's mother and uh, it's really kind of nice seeing every everybody kind of have their their time to shine 
Um, but yeah, and seeing this the Blackout Cat Mouse game was a, a delight to me. I'm a big fan of the character Blackout. So seeing this Cat Mouse game, how uh, Catch is giving chase, he's doing everything he can to protect them without transforming because he knows if he transforms, then they're definitely dead to rights. So um, you know whether he probably should have transformed anyway. I don't know. Maybe that's you know because look what happened to, to catch in this issue. He he gets his throat ripped out in vicious manner, uh, mind you, by uh, by Blackout. Now I'm not sure uh, what fans thought about this at the time. You know I read this a little bit after its release, but um, if fans were expecting him to die in this manner, was kind of a shocking I think for for some Ghost Rider fans. Now if you're being cynical, this was not too long after Superman died in DC Comics, and since then. Tons and tons of comic book characters were killed off willy-nilly to pop a sales rating and get more folks to buy the book, and only to be reversed an issue later, so to speak. Um, but, you know, this is one element where they do kill off Danny Ketch, and for me, as a younger reader, it surprised me, because Blackout finally got his chance to get his revenge on Danny Ketch after all these all these years, you know? So uh, I, I did like the fact that early on there was these notes provoking Danny uh, about his family being in danger and his friends being in danger. Um, there's a moment with the art with Wagner where the lights go out in, in the Dolan house. Very nice touch because this, the panel before that, the lights are on. And the very next one, the lights are are, uh, are dark because the blackouts light dampening abilities. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's very, very fascinating that it's, um, you know, Danny's death scene here still packs a punch for me. I was just saying it. Uh, I wonder if many fans were expecting it. But for me, the way it's done packs a punch. And you, you gotta love this issue has a 3D pop-up uh, artwork panel. And, you know, it's really surprising nowadays to read something like this because you have uh, uh, Texera's artwork on the front of that. And then uh, the, the main artwork pops up and you have this big battle with Ketch in the foreground and his spirit kind of fading. Really kind of fascinating stuff. And there's a moment where there's a face transformation from kind of the, the deceased Danny sort or the dying Danny to the Ghost Rider. Uh, chef's kiss really really great stuff here so nice nice work uh, on the art team there so nice nice job uh, from Ron Wagner some things I didn't like about it like I said uh, you know uh, <laughs> there's a moment with uh, where Blackout is is being um, you know talked to by the firm when they're taking off his sutures and they're getting his face fixed and stuff like that and Blackout asks Stern's men if, if they're going to watch him if they're going to um, he, view him while he changes clothes and Stern says always kind of thing now there's a part where the illustration shows uh, Blackout kind of using his thumb to kind of gesture to his men but it really kind of looks like Blackout is giving his thumbs up in agreement that they're going to be watching him change his clothes it's kind of a funny little moment he's like yeah you know kind of a funny little moment there for me uh, in hindsight but I'm sure not the intended uh, idea of, of the scene was supposed to be about uh, Blackout phone calls to Danny they start out pretty interesting you know it's it really feels like kind of a uh, a dick move you know like a villain in, in a movie but um the fact that blackout calls danny three times in a row and keeps hanging up on him with further things to kind of insult him with uh sort of undercuts the suspense of the scene you know it, by the third time it's ridiculous and and totally silly you know two times i could deal with that the fact that he says danny i, for, I forgive you and i won't see you again calls back a second time never mind i'm gonna kill you and everybody you love you know, but then the third time it just really seals the deal that okay, you've you've really kind of gone one one too far here. Uh, so that was a little ridiculous. Stern getting blasted by the firm overlords there, his bosses, seems totally random. Doesn't seem a lot of context here. You know, the the, the 
the part before that, he wasn't in that scenario, and now he's getting blasted by them. Like, you know, obviously they want to intimidate him, but, you know, he works for them. Like, and, and they're, like, blasting him. And, yes, he's invulnerable to their to their weapons for the most part, and he feels pain, but it just seemed like an odd thing to include in this part of the story there. So, I mean, maybe just to really sh show the fact that Stern really is uh, difficult to kill, you know? I don't know. That doesn't really uh, jive with, with, with me there. Um, when Danny is bit, uh, there is some confusing art on whether his body is separated from the, the rider at this point. Uh, it's it basically it's not you know but the spirit kind of looks like it's like his body is separated like he's in the foreground and the rider is 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 a different entity now you know what I mean but as we're gonna find out very soon that basically it's it's catches spirit and then the spirit sort of fades gets cold and sort of goes away and we're not gonna find out what happens to him for a little bit because the rider needs to do take a detour to um, uh, New Orleans and uh, meet up with the X Men for a little a side mission there you know he. I like the fact that the rider needs to think on his feet here, and he can't revert back to human uh, to recover. You know, I, I feel like that's that symbiosis between the, the characters. You know, Catch calls on the rider to kick ass and, and enact, uh, exact vengeance from bad guys and mete out uh, punishment, but then the rider also needs to subside and kind of go back to you know uh, being like in a dormant state, and so Catch can take back over. Without that give and take, um, the balance is, is thrown off. And now the rider is left to uh, get slowly drained of his, of his power over the next several issues until uh, he can work with someone like a Doctor Strange to reunite um, Catch's body at the in the nick of time sort of thing. So we're getting into some heavy territory, guys. This is um, where the series takes a sharp turn in direction towards much darker supernatural elements. We're going to be going into the Midnight Suns era, um, meeting up with the Night Stalkers, and all sorts of uh, darker elements that take the series in a whole different direction from the street-level stuff that he's been f dealing with for two years. Some fans like it. A lot of fans say this is when things start falling off the, the wagon here. The wheels are falling off the wagon because now you have Marvel editorial scripting stories by committee instead of the writers giving them full free reign to, to write stuff. This is what I've heard all throughout many interviews saying that some of these writers really kind of felt that they need to make things jive with everyone's story. Now you have to make the Ghost Rider tale works with the, the Spirit of Vengeance spinoff, works with the uh, the Darkhold issues, the Morbius issues. That's a lot of stuff to juggle in the air at the same time, guys. So it's not surprising that for many fans, they start going, wait a second, there's a 17-part Seeds of Darkness story. It's like, ah, it's, it starts really kind of, the focus gets uh, gets lost and, and really things get muddled here. So this is kind of the start of things getting a little bit more confusing here. The Rise of the Midnight Suns is coming. So stay tuned for that, guys. It's, it's going to be a, a heavy crossover storyline that um, Mackie really has to try to get back to basics at, at a later time to try to save the, save the series, really. Ironically, the Spirit of Vengeance comic that we're going to be seeing in a couple episodes um, is a, an amazing story because it focuses a little bit more on Blaze and less on, on the writer. But uh, really fascinating uh, side characters. And yes, they do tie into all the other Midnight Sun stuff. But, I mean, there was a time period, guys, where Spirits of Vengeance, the, the 23-issue you know, series is better than its sister title, Ghost Rider. And it's really unbelievable that that's, that's the case. But really strong uh, characters come out of that series. So stay tuned for some of that that really kind of interesting time period. Um, seeing, you know, at the end where you have, um, the, you know, 
Ghost Rider fighting Blackout, and he's beating him to a pulp. He really wants to kill Blackout. And that's Some fans hate the fact that that's the Joker-Batman parallel. It's like, okay, he wants to kill him, but he really can't, but he probably should, because all of uh, the future victims will be on the, on the hero's hands, basically. So that's that age-old conundrum, what do you do, you know? And then lastly, the you know Stern and Blackout, uh, they they have they get locked in like a mausoleum and like like a casket together because they're both pretty much supernatural entities. They're they're both superpower beings, but it's a little silly that they're stuck in the same coffin together. They're fighting, they're arguing, they're probably hitting each other and biting each other. It's very strange, and you know they probably run out of air in about ten seconds because they're <laughs> doing nothing but yelling and screaming. And it seems like while I appreciate the writer gets them off the board, you know, so that he can go and do his side mission, crossover with the X-Men, and figure out how to save Danny's life before it's too late uh, with some extreme measures. The way that's handled, I mean, I'm sure there's other things he could have done to get them off the board, but um, yeah, that's a little bit humorous to seeing them stuck in the same kind of coffin, uh, just fighting each other, rolling around. No food, no water, they're just, you know, burning up all their air. It's just a little silly, but uh, I appreciate Mackie trying to do that for the reader to clear the board so that he can kind of uh, change the status quo a little bit. Overall, it is a really great issue. Uh, it's an important issue of the 90s series. Let's face it, guys. This is where things really start getting pretty heavy thematically. So I'm going to give it four out of five Flaming Skulls for Ghost Rider issue 25 from the 90s. All right, guys, last review of the night is a classic review from 1977. Uh, from Ghost Rider issue 25. Uh, this one is called Menace is a Man Called Malice by writer Jim Shooter and artist Don Heck. Uh, this synopsis comes courtesy of Wheels on Fire, the Chris Munn uh, book all about the original Ghost Rider, uh, Johnny Blaze, from 1972 to 1983. Uh, if you like some of this stuff, there's a lot of great information in this book. There's also a Danny Ketch uh, follow-up as well, and Chris is writing some more books based on the character. So if you really like deep dives into the Ghost Rider lore, uh, check it out online on Kindle, Amazon, all that stuff like that. They're really great resources. And I use them for my synopses uh, for my episodes because I'm just too lazy to write my own. So so there you go. Uh, Ghost Rider issue 25. The synopsis is the following. Johnny Blaze, in his form of the Ghost Rider, conjures his motorcycle from pure hellfire in a darkened alley in L.A. Despite the dizzying effect the effort of uh, forming a bike causes him, Blaze knows that if he wastes any time, several lives may possibly be at stake. He rides out of the alley, startling the people on the street, and races towards the Hollywood Wax Museum, which is engulfed with an inferno of flames. Realizing that the fire department are fighting a losing battle with the blaze, the rider races up the side of a building across the street and then jumps from its roof straight onto the burning museum. Finding a young woman trapped inside, the sight of the demon biker causes her to faint. When the firefighters have given up all hope of any survivors, blaze blasts through the wall and sets the woman down in front of them. He then jumps on his bike and races toward the crowd, away from the building. As he leaves the scene, he spots a modified sports car racing away as well. Johnny doesn't give much thought to the other car other than hope that the cars, that the cops will chase them instead of him. Back in the same alley where he formed his cycle, Johnny returns to his human form and locates his normal bike. Later at Delasney Studios, Johnny notices that things are unusually quiet. When he enters the studio, he finds Karen Page, who leads him to a dressing room that contains the rest of the crew. On the television is a live news report from a local power plant that is surrounded by the police. The police spotlights land on a costume figure atop the plant, a figure that identifies himself by name as Malice. When the cops begin to move closer to the building, the villain fires at the ground with a gun that causes an earthquake below their feet. Before they can regain their footing, he employs another device that causes their guns to fall to pieces and their cars explode. As the cops run away, 
Malice tells the cameras to remember his name and to tell the newspapers that he was the one who burned down the wax museum as well. As everyone flees, Malice turns and fires his weapon at the power plant, causing it to explode and subsequently throws much of the city into darkness. Later, after the Delasney crew have parted ways for the evening, Johnny rides home on his bike, lost in thoughts of Karen Page and Roxanne Simpson. Suddenly, a car runs a stop sign and barrels at him, not slowing down an inch. Only with the use of his skills as a stunt rider does Blaze manage to keep from being hit. He gives chase to the car, but then suddenly realizes that it's the same one that he saw after the wax museum fire. Naturally, when he catches up to the car, he sees the driver is none other than bump bum bum Malice, who is using his weaponry to rob a bank. The criminal robs the bank while Johnny stares awestruck. Only after Malice has again sped off in his car does Blaze realize that he should have stopped him the first time. Transforming into the Ghost Rider and swapping on his flame cycle, he easily catches up to Malice's car. But Blaze goes into his spook act, saying that the villain will feel the aching horror of hell. But then realizes that there's no possible way that Malice could hear him. Pushing aside the thoughts of why he laughed so easily into that Hellspawn act, Blaze finds himself assailed by a barrage of missiles from the back of the villain's car. When all miss, Malice drives across the bridge and then blows it in two when the rider struck stuck on the opposite side. Thinking himself home free, Malice drives on. Sometime later, Malice finds that the Ghost Rider is somehow now standing on the road in front of him. With the car going at the speed of 80 miles per hour, Blaze stands stock still and allows the vehicle to hit him head on, not phasing him in the slightest. When Malice crawls on the wreckage, the Ghost Rider tells him that the thirst for vengeance will not be denied, and then fries him with the blast of Hellfire. The flame burns deep into the villain's soul, and the Ghost Rider then rides away, leaving the broken Malice stuck to the road in a pool of molten tar. And that's where this issue ends. Alright guys, so this one is uh, a bit divisive for many fans. Uh, this was a short stint that Jim Shooter did for the character, I think about a four-issue stint. And, uh, you know, it's really after the Tony Isabella debacle, how he was kind of, uh, how he left the book in uh, sort of a bit of a controversy when, you know, he was writing one story and Shooter had some issues with the direction of, of the story and he was kind of writing sort of spandex-clad adventures for the character. I mean, you had all these kind of elements of the rider that wasn't fully gelling together because, you know, you either have the brimstone biker, he's much more Satan oriented and then he's a superhero and then he's not. So it, there's a lot of uh, frustration on the parts of the creative teams back in the day. And I'm sure the readers were confused too, because some readers prefer one style over another. So go figure. Um, let's talk a little bit about some things I enjoyed about it, you know, cause I actually did like this issue. Some people hate this one, but I like this one uh, decent enough. I think the bike finally looks proportional to the ghost rider. Um, despite Don Heck's uh, criticisms, a lot of people don't like his art style. It's a little bit too Kirby-esque and doesn't fully fit with what the rider should be. I actually don't mind the rider in this issue. He looks generally pretty good, except for his red eyes. It's like his eyeballs are basically there. Uh, I don't like that at all. But overall, I think the rider looks decent here. But um, So that's, that's that there. Um, so... There's a part where Ghost Rider saves the girl in the Burning Wax Museum. That's uh, very cool. Um, he has some some cool heroic moments there. And actually, I, I did get a kick out of the fact that the waxing, the the, the melting wax sculptures, uh, their faces are kind of melting off. I thought that was a little kind of a nice allusion to what uh, Johnny Blaze has to deal with on a regular basis, turning into the Ghost Rider. So that was a nice little parallel for poor, poor old Johnny Blaze there. Um, like I said, Ghost Rider looks decent here. Um, Malice is a ridiculous villain that I think is hysterical. I think he's a funny character. He has no motivation other than just being a bad guy. 
and he even explicitly says it here at one point. Uh, but uh, you know, he says that you know, just the fact that the cops will wonder why he's doing it is enough reason for him to do it. So not sure where he gets all his guns, all his wonderful toys, but uh, yeah. But I love him in, in a humorous kind of a manner. Uh, he's very Kirby-esque in his costume. It's a very garish costume, um, you know. And he's just to me, he just he cracks me up. Yeah, he really does, you know. Um, but yeah, so his, his internal thoughts about making uh, a good impression with uh, with being a criminal is is a riot, you know. And he makes sure he spells out his name uh, when the cops are listening with their shotgun microphones. I thought that was really really funny. He's very proud of his work, um, so I thought that was, that was pretty funny. Um, going back to Johnny Blaze, the fact that he gets a parking ticket um, despite running outrunning the cops and stuff like that is just almost like kind of a setup to like a Spider-Man kind of a, a story elements, like a trope where you have a down-on-their-luck hero sort of thing. And yes, right now Blaze has a support system and he has friends and love interests. He's in a love triangle, for example. But pretty soon that's going to be changing, guys. This is this issue was, uh, was kind of a, a refreshing story for, for new readers, a story where folks can jump on and learn about the character. But very, very soon, in fact, the next issue... His whole status quo is going to get changed. He's going to leave Blasting Studios, and it's going to throw the whole character into a different direction. Which, you know, some fans were asking for. You know, there was a, a someone wrote into the book, the letters to the editor, saying, you know, why is Blaze tied down to the studio? You know, the characters on, on the side are okay, the supporting cast, but... You know, Blaze is intended to be a roaming cowboy to just drive across the the states. You know, going from town to town, a lot like uh, the 1970s Bixby uh, Hulk. There, you know, very very similar story points there. But uh, you know, some fans like the supporting cast at, and his day job as a, as a stunt rider. But you know, it seems like they're pushing towards him roaming across the Southwest and so on, uh, kicking ass and taking names, sort of thing. But so it's fascinating that the readers are writing in, sort of. Uh, kind of telegraphing the next several um, uh, dozen issues, basically. Really, really interesting stuff. Uh, I do like the Hellspawn sp uh, speech here. You know, I've had some issues with it in the past where I'm like, why does he have to do the spook act? It seems unnecessary, you know, where he's blazed through and through. He's blazed when he's the writer. He's blazed when he's himself. Why does he have to scare everybody and be like, oh, so on. Uh, I will melt you and I will make you... You feel the wrath of hell, uh, you mortal. It's, you know, obviously it plays into the whole demonic kind of a character. And it seemed like Blaze was starting to sort of doing that as a put-on so that he, he has sort of a gimmick. However, uh, something is very interesting about this issue here, guys. This is issue 25. And like I said, many fans do not like this issue at all. But it is uh, noteworthy for a couple reasons, uh, most of which this is sort of the first time that Zarathos is... is taking a little bit of control back he's asserting a little bit of influence on johnny blaze's personality because blaze is questioning why do i have to say that out loud you know malice can't hear me from this distance why am i putting on the spook act unless it's coming so naturally from the inside out that the the demon is slowly starting to uh take control and have a little bit of influence in blaze's life and if you're a longtime reader of, of ghost rider you know johnny blaze starts off with full control and by the end he doesn't even remember what happens half the time because the rider is on such a mission of vengeance that he's uh, he's taking Blaze's body for a joyride, basically, and just punishing these these villains and criminals. And it's like uh, you know, the really we start seeing the internal struggle sort of start happening here. And I, just for that alone, makes me like this issue more than others. You know, the fact that there's something here. He's not just spouting off. Um, 
you know, phrases to the bad guys. There's something building here, and we're going to start learning more about Zarathos uh, very soon. Um, you know, they might not call him by name, but you start saying there's something something else there. Uh, Chris Munn, uh, you know, former Coast Coast Show, says that uh, he thinks that the rumor on the street was that this the rider was going to be Blaze's dark side. It was going to be the evil entity kind of inside Blaze that really was just the darker side of his personality. He wasn't a demon per se, but it was just that uh, dark part of his personality that was really kind of taking over and being unleashed. Kind of like the savage version of Hulk sort of thing. You know, it's like you kind of have this almost kind of like a... Like a well, actually, you know, you know I, I stand corrected. You know, that's a little bit different, actually, with the Hulk stuff. But, you know, honestly... Um, the Hulk is a little bit more like Zarathos sort of thing, but but imagine just the, the inside struggle sort of thing of you know this dark side of our personalities that we all fight with uh, coming to the surface. But so that was a little bit different than what was probably intended. I think the Zarathos thing is much more fascinating because it's kind of sharing your body with this demonic entity sort of thing. But honestly, that's just some of the stuff that fans had to deal with back then, you know. Um, so yeah, for that alone, that makes me like this issue quite a bit. It's not a perfect issue. There's a lot of problems with it. Um, the, the flame cycle being silent, you know, that he conjures it and the fact that it's so quiet, I hate. I don't like the fact that it's, it's just silence, just kind of goes through. And yes, while it kind of makes it creepy for the villains fighting him, that he just sneaks up on them so quick, it doesn't really work with the aesthetic for me. You, for me, I want to see the rider barrel down on the enemies with a loud roaring motorcycle uh and uh when they when they hear that engine they know their days are numbered you know there's a couple great moments in the danny catch series where you got a couple criminals beating the pulp out of these poor innocent folks and they hear the rumble they know they're in trouble they know they've screwed up and the rider is coming for them and he's going to exact vengeance uh and 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 meet out justice for these innocent people who've gotten gotten hurt and uh, innocent blood being spilled, so that is missing from this. Even though they're moving towards the demonic entity direction, I think the fact that without the engine roaring down full steam ahead is just not. Uh, it doesn't feel feel right for me. Um, I'm not sure how our listeners feel about that, but uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys like the fact that you know the hell cycle, this red hell cycle, can just be conjured up and it's just completely silent or do you like the fact that this kind of loud rumble of the engine uh like like me like like that aspect that i like more um you know much more a real world kind of a motorcycle sound but uh let me know sound off at the uh inner demons gr twitter page if you if you want let me know what you guys think um malice here like i said has a hilariously bad costume uh you know there's no motivation for his character it is really stu- if you really think about it it is totally ridiculous but um you know like I said, I enjoy it for a different reason than they probably want me to. But he's a one-note villain, and I don't know if we even really see him much more in uh, in comics after this. He's kind of a one-note sort of a character. But uh, like I said, many fans hate the art as well. Um, and they were also very confused at the sudden change in story direction in the next issue. Um, it seemed like they were really building something here to get readers up to speed, and suddenly now it's, they're changing everything. So... Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, going back to Don Heck's art style, the last bit of criticism people have is it's very derivative of, of the house style at the time, which doesn't always work with the Ghost Rider guys. It's not really something that fully works with this type of story. And yes, I get it. The creative teams were figuring out what kind of story this was. Was it a superhero story, a spandex-clad typical story, or was it something a lot deeper and heavier? Um, that's something that's up to the readers, really. So, um, so that's really kind of an interesting story element. 
fans don't like this one a lot, but like I said, there's a few things I do enjoy about it. Even unintentionally, I enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to give this three and a half Flaming Skulls out of five for Ghost Rider issue 25 from the 70s. All right, guys, before we say goodbye for the evening, I want to thank everybody for listening, of course. Uh, we do have some hashtag PostWritersGR uh, to read and uh, and listen to for voicemails for the show. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, you can do that as well. Uh, we have the Twitter page, at InnerDemonsGR. Uh, if you like the show, if you don't like the show, if you have some ideas on upcoming issues, uh, send in your thoughts. Uh, keep them brief if you can because, I, you know, i, I got to read them on the air. There might be a, a few others three at the same time but yeah try to keep them brief but we do want to have you guys be the co-hosts of our program here so um so thank you guys for everyone who sends in their stuff first up tonight is uh, really it's one of our only things that got sent in this episode is uh, brandon lyons a longtime listener of the show he said um he has some thoughts on some of the issues we reviewed including uh ghost Rider issue 25 from the 90s uh excuse me from the 2000s he says um probably a fair split between talking head dialogue and banter driven fighting in this issue Personally, I don't find too much wrong with this issue other than another dead end for Blaze's hunt for Heaven's Door. It serves as a good introduction to the Deacon, whom I'm a fan of. Blaze takes some grave damage from him throat by being stabbed, chopped, and getting kicked through a wall. It further presses Blaze's determination to his goals. Shamefully, he, this is probably one of the first instances where we see the Penistere become null to the villain because he's not bothered by anything that they've done. A testament at this at the time this book came out, that neither Way nor Aaron had any creative flair with how to construct Blaze's character. On the plus side, Ghost Rider beats down the Deacon by the life-threatening might of the Holy Bible. As a fan of Watt's art in this series, his storytelling starts to become irritating in this issue. The panel where Deacon chops Blaze's fingers is confusing in which direction he's swinging the blade. The first panel after Blaze gets stabbed is oddly positioned. You're supposed to imagine the Blaze is, being, is backing off in pain. But instead, he looks like he's skipping, goofing off more, more, and you can't see Deacon's right blade retract properly. As an artist myself, Huat might be flexing his art chops in his issue more than he is actually making a visual convenience to the reader. Everything else works here, especially Ghost Rider riding out of the, into the gravesite. Three and a half flaming skulls out of five for Ghost Rider issue 25. He also has some thoughts on Avengers 58 about the Ghost Ronin. Whenever Jason Aaron has to do another Avengers comic featuring a Ghost Rider subplot, I wish it was completely its own Ghost Rider story. At the same time, I feel like it's just one more Ghost Rider we're getting suckered in to invest in when we got others to still flesh out. I've lost track of Avengers after the Starbrand Reborn story, so the commentary on the Phoenix Force and Mephisto Chase doesn't ring with me. But here, we get this badass Ghost Rider that carries three swords and speaks like a Ronin that wants the, this pain to end. The blue fire complements his personality and environment more than anything. The majority of Avengers are barely relevant in the story. Nighthawk is a good comment to the Ghost Rider, to the Ghost Ronin's grounded nature, showing empathy, uh, sympathy, and respect towards each other. Aaron seems to tease a good deal about who Ghost Ronin is and how he came to be. But will his origin story ever be explored in a future Avengers tale? Or will he get his own standalone? Or, will, or was he made just so Marvel can sell more toys? Javier Garan's art is alive. His motion movement in the fight scenes work excellent. His design on Ghost Ronin is intriguing, and the background design is well done. The panel where Ronin guts the camouflage soldiers in midair with a sword and chain is complemented by but well-done visual. I'm going to give this four and a half flaming skulls out of five. Ghost Ronin has fingernails but no neck. Now Ghost Rider issue number six by Ben Percy. 
He says, with Blaze withering in pain, with a possessive parasite inside, and Wolverine steps in to give him back alley surgery to cut out. I feel like this issue because it brings together a former character development for Blaze when he's at his weakest. Throughout this run, there's been an underlying plot where Blaze is resistant and distant from the rider, seeing him as no more than every synonym of danger that you'd expect. Taking on the Devil's Backbone was the turning point and takes Wolverine's presence to shine a light on Blaze's problem and is a problem. Percy has Blaze highlight him and Wolverine's similarities very well. The, the War Road Zeb storyline picks up some steam as the main plot in intensity. Still, I feel like the Night Magician's concept is skipping steps with Zeb, betraying them, and the Council betraying him. The artwork by Brent Peoples is great here, heavily displays character movements and showcasing the grit and horror. The design of the parasite corrupting Blaze's body throughout the two pages is well done. Four out of five flaming skulls. Next up, uh, the Ghost Rider issue 25 from the 70s. I suppose with a Ghost Rider, you can't go wrong with simplicity. This issue was short and simple with some depth and lack. The depth is Blaze's growing complication with becoming Ghost Rider. The transformation fatigue and his spook act becoming easier to do. The love triangle with Karen and Roxanne takes the backseat in this issue. The lack is Malice. Typical filler uh, villain, as if Shooter went into the dump pile of throwaway villains from the 50s and chose this instead. He's got the cheese, costume, and powers, but that's all he has. Uh, very one note. The artist hit and miss in this issue. The opening scene with Ryder handling the fire was well done in terms of sequencing and impact. I feel Tony DeZaniga's inks shine the best in the scene alone. His and Don Heck's tackling of the action scenes are fairly great. The shadows of the firefighters, the melting of the wax statues... Ghost Rider appearing in the shadow amongst the fire is awesome. The car, the cop car explosions and the cops are worth mentioning. Ghost Rider looks, his look feels flat at times and, and feels like his skull is quickly drawn without a second thought. The Hell Cycle design is dismissive at the best. Three and a half flaming skulls out of five. Lastly, uh, we have Ghost Rider issue 25 from the 90s. Brandon says this is an issue with some kick, no pun intended. You get a good scope of Danny's life being simple, yet marred by complication. Protecting his mother, but dealing with a strained relationship with Stacy. As Ghost Rider, he is public enemy number one with Blackout and the Firm. Every significant moment in this issue is actually pretty memorable. The action is balls to the wall for a 90s issue. The Macho Commando trying to gun him down for minor reasons. Blackout being the ultimate pain in the ass by exacting revenge on Danny and killing him. This issue has a great deal of action and doesn't shy away from showing it in a more than one, more than one double spread. The pop-up spread is over the top, but a favorite for me. The art is great in this issue. The close-up of Ghost Rider's skull is menacing. The human design, uh, the human character designs are clean, stylized, and very well done. The two-panel shot of Dan Catch's legs struggling and then stilling while soaked in blood is a nice sequence. The scripting seems awkward, though. I find it convenient that Dan's apartment has a graveyard behind it when Blackout throws him out. So far, the running motif for this book is graveyards. When Blackout runs from Ghost Rider and the rider is on the ground watching him, the next panel he's suddenly on his bike. There's no additional panel to indicate the bike was on its way, but for the sake of pace, it's to be expected. Four out of five flaming skulls for me. An enjoyable issue. Excellent reviews, Brandon. I really appreciate it. I tried to read as much as I could of that. Uh, really, really great stuff. Uh, so thank you for sending that in. And last but not least, uh, we will end with a voicemail left for us by the one and only Wolver Steve from Twitter. Uh, he's one of the biggest Wolverine fans that I've ever seen. And listen, we could not review Ghost Rider issue number six with Logan front and center without some thoughts from the man himself, Wolver Steve. So uh, we are going to end the show with Wolver Steve's uh, his thoughts on this issue, his kind of 
you know, little insults toward the Donnie Blaze character, uh, you know, but but that's okay, you know, we, we, we love it here, so we really appreciate that. Uh, so, guys, thank you again so much for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate it. We're happy that there were no uh, Hellfire crickets in the background ruining the audio for the show. So we tried to uh, to give them the pen and stare and uh, squish them forever. So uh, thank you guys for sticking with the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, like us online on a, you know all the various podcast sites. Give us five star reviews if you can. And uh, honestly, just keep riding, guys. You know we really appreciate this. Uh, Sixty one episodes in, uh, we don't do it as often as we want uh, because life keeps getting in the way. Honestly, we've just been a really crazy couple months for me, but. Thanks for sticking with the show. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for Wolver Steve's awesome review on Ghost Rider issue number six. Uh, stay tuned for that, guys. Have a great one, and we'll see you next episode on Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. Good night, everybody. Evening, bub. Wolver Steve here with Ghost Rider number six. Shiny, shiny, shiny. Look at that for a cover. My main man on it, tearing your boy to bits. <laughs> Uh, yeah, your little review you asked me for. I think it's pretty cool, if I'm honest. It's very short. I'm surprised at that. But what's in it is good. It's Wolverine doing what he does best, tearing things apart with those badass adamantium claws. Your boy is a bit lame in it, in my opinion. He's not really in it until the very end. Um, Lucky for him, old Logan's there to help him through his own book. <laughs> um, looking forward to whatever else they do together. Midnight Suns, of course, is uh, just on its way now. I picked up number one yesterday. Intrigued by that. Um, could only be a good thing, surely, to have Ghost Rider, Blade, Wolverine and Magic together. What a team. Catch you in a bit. See you later. <laughs>